this morning, if you would, to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. Um, I love Christmas time. Does anybody else love Christmas? Man, a lot of Grinches here this morning. Does everybody love Christmas? Like, it's just, come on, pretend like your children are around. Man, Christmas is an awesome, awesome time of the year. I absolutely love it. Matthew chapter uh, 1, and then we're going to jump over to Luke chapter 1 in just a minute. I'm going to kind of blend uh, uh, two of the Gospels together as we talk about uh, the Christmas story over the next five weeks together. And once again, you saw on the news there that we are having a Christmas program on the 16th. going to be a great time. Make sure you invite your friends, your family members. Come on out. I'm really, really excited about that and uh, praying that it just uh, ministers to people, touches people. It's going to be a, a good time. Uh, I, I love Christmas, though, especially now that I have children. I had them now for about 10 years. But uh, before we had children, man, Christmas was okay. But having children in the house, Christmas is just absolutely amazing. Uh, and uh, I remember back to my childhood Christmas times, and I have some great memories of, of Christmas. And when you're growing up, and not even when you're growing up, let's just be honest, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop some people's bubbles today. But Christmas really is all about the gifts, let's be honest, okay? <laughs> Now, I know I just offended some people out there, and they're like, no, Christmas is all about Jesus, okay? Stay with me in this message. I, I really believe that Christmas is all about the presents. Christmas is all about the gifts. Just try telling my 8-year-old that, that they're not getting any presents for Christmas and see what they do, okay? You better be quick because she might slap you, all right? But, uh, man, Christmas is all about the presents. And growing up in my house, uh, we always kept Christ at the center of that, obviously, because he's the ultimate gift, Amen. And so we always kept Christ at the center of Christmas, but man, I always had a present under the tree. I always had a gift waiting for me. And uh, when I was growing up, our Christmases, and if you've been with us for the last three and a half years, you've heard some of these stories, just pretend like it's the first time you heard it, okay? And uh, growing up, and is that Ren and Shelby? Come on, somebody. Can we welcome Ren back? Come on, he was on deployment. Good to see you, man. Awesome. I was staying tuned on Facebook, but now I get to see you. This is good to see you guys. Um, but, uh, you know, growing up, you know, and, and as kids, and, you, you know, you write a Christmas list, at least we did, and uh, you always write down a few practical things, right, like new PJs, okay, new underwear, come on, somebody, new socks, you know you do, right? But there's always the one gift that you put on the list that you absolutely want, right? And so, you know, and, it, and, and you kind of open them in that order. Well, here's how it worked at, at my house and at, since the day I can remember. And it's such an awesome memory, an awesome tradition. But on Christmas morning, when you're six years old, the only thing you really want to do is you want to go and you want to terrorize the gifts and open up all the gifts with your name on them, okay? And maybe that's how it worked at your household. Maybe some of you are midnight Christmas openers, right? How many guys open your presents at midnight, okay? Yeah, and so a lot of you do that. Well, not us. Uh, we had to wait till the morning. My parents liked to torture us, and so they would, they would, you know, put us to bed early and say, okay, you better go to bed. Santa's coming tonight, right? And there'd always be a few presents under the tree, but then that night, uh, they would go, and they would wrap a bunch more, and they would stick them under the tree, so on Christmas morning, we walk out, there's just all of these presents, and, and so I wake up. I mean, I'm six years old. I can barely sleep. Actually, I'm just going to be real honest with everybody here. It's still that way. I'm 38 now, and it's still that way today. I can barely sleep, and I'm waking up. Matter of fact, you can ask my wife, this is true. I am waking up my kids on Christmas morning so they can come and open presents. And so I wake up early, and I go out there, uh, and all I want to do is open the presents. But I can't open the presents because we have tradition. How many of you guys have traditions that you, 
you know, and so we have tradition in our house, and the tradition is this, is we got to go make sure dad's up and everyone else is up, and then we go over to where the stockings are at. We did stockings in our family, and it'd just be full of candy and little, 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 maybe little games and little, little things, and I would always get bubble bath, because I liked taking bubble baths when I was... I was little. I would actually probably still take them, but all the bathtubs are too small for me now, so you should see the one at our house now. It's like, yeah, I don't, anyway. And so uh, I haven't taken a bubble bath in about a week, so. Um, and I used to love taking bubble baths, so I'd always have like a Scooby-Doo bubble bath or a Smurf bubble bath. Come on, somebody, are you with me? Right? You would think like it would be G.I. Joe. No, 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 no. It was Smurf and Scooby-Doo and stuff, and so. That stuff would be in there, and so we get to go and we'd open the stockings, and then we couldn't go open the presents because then we'd have to go and sit around and have breakfast together. And my mom makes this special Christmas wreath thing every year, and it's absolutely amazing. And, and you're going to make it this year, aren't you, Mom? No pressure. But if you don't, you just break all traditions and memories, and I'll probably have to see a counselor, but whatever. I mean. And so then we'd go and we'd sit around and we'd eat that together, and, and then after we eat that, then we get to go to the tree. And you would think that we'd be able to open the presents. No, we can't open the presents. Why? Because we have to read the Christmas story. Let me change that real quick. We get to read, come on somebody, the Christmas story. And so, man, all of our family would gather around. And I have three older brothers. And so, you know, when they started getting married and bringing over their families, I mean, it was just an awesome experience. But no matter how many people were there for Christmas morning, one thing was for sure. My dad was going to get the Bible out and we were going to read the Christmas story. And so we would get there, and we would gather around, and my dad would get the Bible out, and sometimes we'd act it out, and we'd have to pick one of my brothers to be Mary, because I couldn't be, obviously. And so, and so you know, we'd, we'd read the story together, and man, it was just so much fun, and then we still can't open the gifts yet. It's like, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning at this time, right? I've been up for four hours, and I just want to open the gifts, right? So then what we do at, at our house is then we name a Santa, how many of you guys do that, right? And Santa gets to put the little hat on, right, the little Santa hat. And then Santa gets to go to the tree and pick up. Now, you got to know with three brothers, mom, dad, and then when they got married, all their kids and, and the wives, their you know, spouses and stuff. And there's a lot of people. There's a lot of presents there. And they would go up to the tree and they'd pick up a present and they would look at the name and they would say, to Ben, love mom and dad, and then walk it over. Then go back, grab another one. This would go for a couple days, it seemed like, when you're six years old, right? And it was just going on and on and, and on and, and on. And so finally, everybody has their gifts. Now, you would think you get to open your gifts now, but you don't. Okay? This is, I told you they like to torture us. I'm carrying this tradition on for my children. It's awesome. <laughs> Watch them squirm me. Okay? And so now what we do is with all these people around now, we take turns opening one gift each, and everyone watches. Okay? Does anybody else have that tradition? Or I'm, okay, thank you. You feel my pain then, right? Okay? And so then, you know, you watch them open. You're like, oh, look at the ugly sweater. You know, whatever it is. And, uh, and then you go around to the next person, the next person. And you just start it all over again. This was tradition at my house. But there's always that one gift that you absolutely want. I mean, all the other gifts are cool. But there's always, and when I was growing up, I remember in 1986, the one thing. That's right, I went to the Wayback Machine. Come on, somebody. The one thing I wanted was parachute pants. Now, how many out there remember parachute pants? Come on, somebody. They were charcoal gray, shiny, with 17 zippers on them. I mean, they had zippers here, zippers with inside of zippers. I remember, man, me and my brother, we were out Christmas shopping with my parents, and we saw these things, and we, like, fell on the way, like, 
that's what we want for Christmas, right there. And so, you know, they, you, lay, you know the, lay, the layaway system, it's back now, right? And so I remember layaway was in back in 1986. And, and so, you know, at the end of the shopping experience, my parents were like, oh, we forgot to do something. We got to go. And we were like, yeah, you're getting the parachute pants on layaway. <laughs> and so I remember that morning, you know, and, and I'm so excited. I open up all these gifts, but there's just still one more gift because I ain't opened the parachute pants yet. And sure enough, that last gift comes, right? And you open it up, and there they were. Gosh, I miss them. They'd be a little tight right now, but <laughs> these were like the gift, man. These, these were the gift. There was a dad who actually had, he had two twins, and other than looking identical, they had nothing else in common. I mean, I- if one of the kids said the volume on the TV was too low, the other one was saying it was too high. If one of them was saying it was too cold, the other one was saying, man, it is way too hot in here. As a matter of fact, where they differed the most was one of them was the ultimate optimistic person. Come on, do I have any optimists out there? Seven of you. <laughs> oh, God, help me. No wonder this is so difficult, Jesus. Like five people raised their hands. Do I have any pessimists out there? <laughs> yeah. And so one of them is the ultimate optimist. The other one is the ultimate pessimist. I mean, and the one kid could find joy in just celebrating anything, and the other one just could find, like, oh, this is never going to work, no matter what it was. And so he thought for Christmas one year what he would do is he would, he would load the, the pessimist's room up with lots and lots of toys. And so he, like, got, like, hundreds of toys and loaded his room with all these toys. And then for the optimist, he filled it with cow poop or, or horse poop. Okay, whatever was available, right? And so, uh, you know, Christmas morning, he comes walking by, and he sees his pessimistic son in there, and he's crying, and he's just throwing a fit, and he's like, ah! And he comes walking up and goes, what's the matter? And he's like, I don't know what to do. All my friends are going to be jealous of me because I have all these toys, and, and then every single one of them needs batteries, and I'm going to have to read all of these instructions before I can play with them, and the worst thing is they're probably all going to break. He's just bawling his head off. He walks by the optimist's room, and, and here's the kid jumping up and down, dancing around, singing joy to the world. And he's like celebrating, jumping all over in this, in this, in this horse manure. And the dad stands back and goes, what are you doing? Why are you so happy? And he's jumping up and down. He goes, there's got to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> Why? Because Christmas is all about the gifts. Yeah, someone said joy. See, here's the thing. Christmas is all about the presents. Christmas is all about the gifts. Pr- Christmas is all... Now, now, listen to me. Nothing changes when we get older. Let's be honest. Maybe it's not about a material gift under the tree. But when Christmas time rolls around, you and I are wishing for something at Christmas time. We're wishing that, we're wishing that, man, I, I wish my family could all come together and celebrate. We're wishing that, man, I just, I just, I just pray that there'd be so much peace in my home this time of the year. Or, 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 or for some of us that still like the gifts under the tree, it's that one thing that you really want. I want to propose to you, ladies and gentlemen, that Christmas always has been and always will be about the gifts. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, 
before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is happening. This is kind of Joseph's account. Something's happening over here with Mary, and I want to go read it real quick. And it's found in Luke chapter 1, if you want to turn there. And then we'll come back to Matthew in just a minute. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, and it says this, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary Christmas. I didn't know that. that. Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the same and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Amen. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Amen. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Go back to Matthew chapter 1. This is what was taking place on Mary's side. Here's Joseph, verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, because he wasn't in on the conversation we just read. This is a huge faith step for him. Resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from a sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and they called his name Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. 
And I pray that your awesome word would come alive in this place this morning, that, Lord, you would speak to us uh, the very thing that you, you want us to hear today. God, that it would minister to us, it would encourage us, uh, it would challenge us. Hallelujah. And, and we would walk out of here, Lord, just radically in love with you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Christmas is all about the gifts. Christmas is all about the gifts because there was a gift given to us over 2,000 years ago, and his name is Emmanuel, God with us. I want to talk to you just for the next few moments, if I may, about Jesus is the better gift. Jesus is the better gift. There's going to be a lot of gifts that you probably get this year, and uh, once again, maybe it's not a material gift under a tree, but maybe it's something you're, you're looking for, something you're longing for, something you're believing for, uh, something for a family member, something within your own life, whatever it might be. I want to propose to you today that Christmas is still about the gift, Emmanuel, God with us now. The reason we can exchange gifts and the reason we have joy in doing that is because it brings us back to a place over 2,000 years ago where, where God said, hey, Jesus, and Jesus said, what up, God? He said, I want you to go, and I want you to save the people from their sins, and Jesus said, okay, I'll do it. And Jesus left divinity, and he came in the form of humanity to die for our sins so that through him we could have a relationship with God the Father. That right there is a cool story. That right there is a really, really good gift. Jesus is a better gift. And the reason we give gifts on Christmas today is hopefully to, 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 to just encourage us to remember the ultimate gift. Emmanuel, God with us, that came and is still with us today. See, I love Christmas because to me this is what Christmas is all about. It's about the fact that Emmanuel is still with us today. That Jesus has never left us, he's never forsaken us, he's never forgotten about us, no matter what we're going through, good or bad, trials, temptations, successes, he is with us every step of the way. He really is Emmanuel, God with us right now. I love it as you read all of the gospel narratives because not all the gospel narratives begin to pick up the story where Matthew and Luke do. Matthew picks up the story and gives us a little background before Jesus even comes on the scene. But Jesus, we see the, uh, the nativity scene where Jesus is born, and then it kind of jumps forward to where Jesus is actually in the midst of the people doing miracles. But if you look at Mark's account, Mark really does the same thing. He jumps in right at the baptism of Jesus. He doesn't take time with all the fun, fluffy stuff. He just jumps in right at that point where Emmanuel, God with us right now at the baptism of Jesus. Luke gives an account, and it's more of, of Mary's side. And then if you go on to John, what does John do? John says this, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was with God. And the Word became flesh and did what? Dwelt among us. He became Emmanuel, God with us. Every gospel narrative sets it up the same way, says, hey, I got a gift for you, and it's no longer you're going to have to worship God from afar. You're no longer going to have to come and bring sacrifices and worship me through priests. No, no, no. I'm coming to be with you where you can have instant connection with me. I'm going to be Emmanuel, God with you. Now, you've got to understand something. This was huge for them. This, the, the, to hear the angel of the Lord begin to speak to Joseph in a dream. 
for Mary to have an angel appear in her room and for the angel to begin to speak the things he did. This was huge. They understood what was taking place. They understood that the long-awaited Messiah, come on, the king that would sit on the throne of David and rule forever, the Savior. Now, they didn't necessarily see it like we see it today in the way we see how he saved us from our sins. They saw it as the king that would come and rule over their nation and save them from all the other nations. So to hear these words... This is going to be the Messiah. This is going to be Emmanuel, God with you right now. This meant something very significant to them. This was a powerful moment for them. This is the long-awaited gift. This is much like a six-year-old on a Christmas morning opening up the socks, opening up the pajamas, opening up the underwear. Are you with me? And finally getting to the parachute pants. Come on, somebody. And opening up and say, that's the gift. That's what was taking place at that moment. This is the gift. This is it. This is the ultimate. Because Jesus really is a better gift. And this to me is what Christmas is still all about. Emmanuel, God with us now. And that's why I love Christmas so much. Because every time I come into this season, I'm reminded of the man, Jesus Christ, who came. For me and for you. Emmanuel, God, with that gives me hope. That, that gives me joy. That gives me peace knowing that no matter what I walk through, listen to me, I don't know about you, but I don't need to know how God was with them in the Old Testament. I don't need to know how God's going to be with us way out here when we're facing. I need to know how God's going to be with me right now. I mean, sure, to, to look back and read how God was with them, it can build my faith and encourage me. Sure, to think that God's going to be with me when I walk through these things in the future. Man, that, that gives me hope. But let's be honest, we're living in the present moment. We're living right now. I want Emmanuel. I want God with me right now. If you're watching the news, they're talking about the, the fiscal. Yeah, so you've been watching, right? And they're freaking out about the physical cliff. You know, it's not going to do any good to freak out about it. <laughs> it, it, it. The cliff is coming one way or the other. See, I'm an optimist. <laughs> hey, strap on a snowboard. Let's go, man. <laughs> right? Because, see, while everybody else is staring down a cliff, with we have Emmanuel, God with us, we can lift up our eyes to the hills from whence comes our help. Our help comes from the Lord. While everybody else is sitting there saying, oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> Woo. Man. I'm looking up. I'm saying, man, this is going to be good. This is going to be an optimal time to lead others to Jesus. This is going to be awesome. There's a reason why we're moving to Mission Bay when the fiscal cliff hits. Come on, somebody. Because <laughs> they're not going to be able to turn to their bank accounts. They're not going to be able to turn to their, their investments. They're not going to be able to turn to their, 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 their rental properties. They're going to have to turn to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. <laughs> we could probably use that as a marketing campaign somehow. I don't know. Wheels are turning. I love, I love what Moses said in the Old Testament in Exodus 33. When God's talking with them about how he's going to take the whole nation, and he's saying, hey, I'm about ready to take you out of this place, and I'm going to lead you to the promised land. And as excited as Moses was about the promised land, he said this, okay, I just got a question for you. 
Are you coming with me? Because <laughs> if you, you aren't going with me, I, I don't want to go. I, I'll stay right, right here. I want to know that you're Emmanuel, God with me right now. You ever been in a moment like that? Like Moses where God's prompting you to do something and you're thinking, okay, I just, God, I want to know. Are you going to be with me in this move? Are you walking with me through this thing? That, 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 that gives me encouragement to know that he is. Are you with me? That, that gives me the encouragement to know that although, although the doctors are saying that, you know, my body's diagnosed with cancer again, guess what? Christ, he's with me right now, right now, right here in this moment. How, how many of you guys have say you've, you've, you've had things go differently than you thought they would? Most of you? How many of you guys are kind of walking through something like that right now? Yeah. Yeah, you will be tomorrow if not today, but... So take notes. Okay. Have you ever been in that place where I don't, I don't know what's going to happen? The cool thing is when you've got Emmanuel with us, you don't need to know. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean into your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your steps. He'll direct your path. That's Emmanuel. This is what Christmas means. Christmas really is all about the gift, Jesus Christ, because he's the better gift. He's the better gift, Jesus. But, but I, I want to I just bring a couple things to light here real quickly that I think that you should understand is when you begin to unwrap Emmanuel, when you begin to unwrap the better gift, Jesus, there's just a few things that you need to, you need to know. The first one is simply this. His choice is based on grace. His choice is based on grace. His choice of, of what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, and who he's going to do it through, is based on grace. Based on grace. Because if you look at the story, I mean, think about it now. I mean, they're in a very awkward time. They're in a chaotic time. They're in a time where they have no one ruling them. There's this long-awaited anticipation that someone is going to come on the scene. And in the middle of that chaotic time, in the middle of all of those unknowns, that, that Jesus chooses a little town and goes in and finds a family and finds a teenage girl and says, Hi, I'm going to use you to birth Emmanuel. And we look at that story and I, I love what this, the, the Bible says. It says in there that there was a virgin named Mary. Now here's something we need to understand. Because the legalistic people, which none of us are, okay, the Pharisee type people, they would say this. They would say, man, man, look, Mary was chosen because she was a virgin. And I've heard people preach that before. I've heard people say, you know what, and I, you know, I used to be a youth pastor for a long time, so I'd go to youth conferences and different things, and I'd hear someone use this passage and say, you know what, uh, Mary was a virgin, therefore she was chosen by God to be used, and so everyone in here needs to stay pure. Too late, we're not. Okay. 
Listen to me. The fact that Mary was a virgin does not point how awesome she was. It points how awesome the miracle is that Jesus Christ came from a virgin. See, but the Pharisees, the legalistic people, they want to they make it about themselves. They want to say, oh, you know what, man, Mary, she was a virgin. She was pure, and therefore God chose her. I have a couple problems with that. One, that pretty much disqualifies all of us in this room to be used by God. Right? Okay. It disqualifies me. <laughs> None of you want to be honest. I'll just, you know. I'm not perfect. I got some baggage. I've done some really stupid stuff. Right? If we preach this message and say, well, Mary was a virgin. Man, she kept herself. That's why God chose her. That takes away from grace. Because grace is the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. Does the Bible not say, yet we were still sinners, Christ died for us? Does it not say he came for the sick and not for the well? He came to seek and save the lost? Listen, if, if, I, if we preach a message that says, man, you, you be good enough, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. God will never use you. No, no. Right? You like that? I just made that out right there on the spot. Right. Okay. Except for the first three-fourths. Just the last part. But. I mean, think about that. Think about that. I get enough gold stars, and then God will use me. No, his choice is based on grace. I have a problem with it. You mean to tell me that Mary was the only virgin in that town? What can I tell? This is Las Vegas. What are we talking about here? Oh, this is Bethlehem. Oh, little town of Las Vegas. No. I, I, I can say that because I lived in Vegas for a while. All right? So if you're from Vegas, I'm not knocking you. But thank God you're no longer in the wilderness. But. Okay? Are you with me? His choice is based on grace. He chooses whom he chooses. We can't tell people that, well, you know, yes, should we be holy for the Lord God is holy? Absolutely. Should we, should we strive for that? Should we do those things? Absolutely. But he did not choose you. He did not choose me because we had enough gold stars and we're perfect enough. He did it because he wanted to choose you. That's it. Because if you carry this thought forward, look at, look at the guy named Saul. Killing all the Christians. Where were his gold stars? He's a mass murderer. What is he say? I'm going to use you. You got some, you're tenacious. I use you. Not because he was good enough, just simply because God said, ah, I'll take that one. Shows up. His choice is based on grace. And that gives you and I hope. That gives us hope. Man, Christmas is really good. Because it reminds me that he can choose anybody he wants at any time and show up and begin to use them. Mm. That's really good. Yeah. Amen.
here's the thing that we need to understand is when, 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 when God chooses, he doesn't choose based on our past. He doesn't even choose us based on what's going on in our present. He chooses us based on what we're going to do in our future. Because when God chooses you, he doesn't do it based on, okay, you know, he says, you know what, you've got massive potential. And so I'm, I'm going I'm to send my son Jesus. He's going to come into the world. And he's going to die for you. Because your future is amazing. His choice is it's based on grace. And the fact that she was a virgin points to the miraculous power that God can do anything. For nothing will be impossible with God. Amen. As you're unwrapping Emmanuel, Jesus, the better gift, the second thing I would understand is this. He has a way of interrupting our plans. His gift might not come. It might not look the way you thought. I mean, there are some of you sitting in this room right now that, that weeks ago you never even been in this room. When you're here and you're like, wow, this is so much better. Anyway. And I'll be honest, if, if I don't think my church is better, then, then why would I be coming to my own church? Why don't I just close it down? Let's go to the better church. Look, I love all the churches. I love what God is doing, but there's a reason why we're here, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, it's to bring a facet of Jesus Christ that San Diego ain't seen yet. And I love this church. I love being here on Sunday morning. Listen, the last thing you want is your pastor rolling up on a Sunday morning and say, I hate these people. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to somebody else's church today. Okay, I think we got the best church in San Diego. I'm just waiting for... And somebody out there is like, oh, that is so arrogant. No, it's not. No, it's not. I think I married the best woman in the world. Oh, you're arrogant. No. She's amazing. I think my children are better than yours, you know? I, I mean, if not, I'll be trying to swap children over the children's class. Right, Faith? Here, let me get that sticker. Come on, Faith! You know? Oh. <laughs> Number two, pay attention. He has a way of interrupting our plans. He has a way of interrupting our plans. I guarantee you that Mary was not sitting around thinking that day, it would be so awesome to have an angel just show up in my room and tell me I'm going to be pregnant before being married and before even having sex. I mean, what fun is that? <laughs> We're keeping it real here at Canvas, ladies and gentlemen. You mean I'm going to have a baby? But I don't get... That's horrible! That is, that is not the way she had it planned. I guarantee it. Think about it. Uh, I mean, most, most theologians put her at about 16 years old. Let's just, let's just call her 16, okay? I mean, she is, she is sitting around thinking, oh, I got this hunk of burning love named Joseph, and I cannot wait till our wedding night, and then we're going to get married, and then we're going to, and then it's going to be awesome, and, and then we're going to probably, you know, probably go get a nice little stone house hut, whatever we lived in back then, and 
we're going to settle down in this nice little place, and then a couple, couple, four or five years in, we'll, we'll start having children. Right? And then the angel shows up. I love what the angel does. The angel understands people. The angel is like the ultimate salesperson. <laughs> let, let me read it to you again. Seriously. We got some time. It's Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Look at this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of God named Nazareth to a virgin be, uh, betrothed to a man whose name is Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name is Mary. And he came to her saying, Greetings, O favored one. Come on, who's not listening to that? You're talking to me, aren't you, angel? Right? He didn't show up and say, hey, <laughs> sucker, get ready. Because it's on. He shows up, he's like, greetings, oh favored one. I mean, you got to, if I walked into my house every day and looked at my wife and did that, we would have a lot more kids. But, um, <laughs> I mean, she would probably like that, like that. Right? Who wouldn't like that greeting? <laughs> Greetings, oh favored one. Mary's listening now. Yeah, yeah. Me? Yeah. Yeah. Favored. Hmm. Listen to this one. The Lord is with you. That's pretty good, right? She was a little bit troubled at the saying, though, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this was. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Oh, d- d- don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Really? Yeah. What's he saying? He shows up. Mary, you're favored. God wants to bless you. I mean, come on. If an angel shows up in your room, who's not signing up for that one, right? God wants to bless you. And you're immediately like, yep, I'm signing up for the blessing of God. Absolutely. How's he going to bless me? He's going to make you pregnant. (laughs) Merry Christmas. good see the reality is, is all of us want the blessings of god until he shows up and blesses us the way he wants to rather than the way we want to be blessed we pray for the blessings of god we fast for the blessings of god we ask others to join us and grab hands and pray and then god shows up and wants to bless us we're like i don't want that one because he has a way of interrupting our plans He has a way of showing up and doing things completely different than the way we would like him to do it. Although man plans his ways, the Lord comes in and jacks it up (laughs) and directs his steps a completely different way (laughs) than the way we had it planned. He has a way of interrupting our plans. Lastly, I'll end with this. Thirdly, and this is, I like this one. This one's good. When we unwrap the better gift, we've got to understand that he is working on the other side. He's working on the other side. He's working on the other side. See, God's not limited to, to time and space. 
While Joseph is over here in Matthew chapter 1 unwrapping his portion, uh, Mary's over here in Luke chapter 1 opening up her portion. And, and, and the portions alone, they don't really make sense, but if you bring it together, all of a sudden you have, ah. See, a lot of us, as, we, as, we're, as we're walking in this faith journey and we're, we're doing what God is telling us to do, uh, sometimes it doesn't make sense. But that's what we need to understand. He's Emmanuel, God with us right now. He's not just going to be with you in your future. He wasn't just with you in your past. He's with you right now, which tells me this. If he's with me right now, although this doesn't quite make sense, I can have faith knowing that he's working on the other side. While he's over here talking to Mary, I'm sure Mary had all these questions. If I say yes to this, what does that mean for me? It changes everything. Is Joseph going to accept me? And apparently he wasn't. But she said yes. And when you unwrap Emmanuel, Jesus the better gift, there's a faith element to it. And we got to say yes. But as we say yes, ladies and gentlemen, know that he is working on the other side. Know that even though you might be walking through a difficult transition, a difficult season, a difficult moment, I can't fully wrap my head around it. I don't really understand what's happening with this person or this circumstance or that situation. The whole entire time, God is preparing things on the other side. And he took care of Joseph. So much so was God in control that he orchestrated every single peace there's so much going on in the story i mean you got shepherds and fields and angels singing in heaven and and then a couple years later you have stars in the sky and wise guys following the star and and then check this out he's got every aspect covered that these wise men show up and they give him these gifts and if we had time we'd talk about what each gift represents but when studies have been done on the gifts, they say that it was enough wealth to maintain this child for 12 to 15 years. So much was given. Because when you say yes to Jesus, when you say yes to the better gift, he's got every side covered. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who truly is the better gift.